Well, good morning again, everyone. Um, good morning to those joining us online as well. It's great to have you um, with us, sharing the service today. As Ross mentioned, we have begun 2024 with a series called A Message for the Church. And it's been a wonderful opportunity and a privilege for us to hear from some pretty amazing guest speakers uh, who we invited to share their perspective on what the church needs to hear in 2024. Murray Wright began the series with the encouragement to continue pursuing a deeper relationship with Jesus, despite the uncertainty of what lies ahead, particularly in a society where um, being a Christian, society is becoming a little bit more or a little less tolerant of, uh, of, of Christian values and, and beliefs. And we may often feel like exiles, but nevertheless, we are to remember our calling. We are to understand our identity, who God says we are. We need to think carefully about how we represent God and we're to use what God has given us to serve and support one another. Duncan Brown then spoke on the importance of maintaining unity in the church and, and how following Jesus' example of humility will help us to manage conflict in a healthy and God-honoring and God-glorifying way. Last week, Alicia gave us the 1% challenge, committing to make those small changes in our regular routine, especially when it comes to spiritual disciplines and godly thinking, in order to escape the ruts that keep us from living the life that God has called us to live and being the church that God has called us to be, who enjoyed their cold shower this morning. That probably sounds really weird if you weren't here last week, but <laughs> you'll have to re-watch that sermon. It was excellent. So today, as we get ready to cross off the first month of 2024 already, and as our activity begins to ramp back up with school back and programs back on again, I'd like to try and pull together these themes that we've been hearing about over this past month. I want to highlight a verse from the Bible that brings a whole lot of clarity to our busy lives. With all the noise that often overwhelms us and distracts us, this verse pinpoints the one sweet sound that should continue to capture our attention. It's a verse that stopped me in my tracks a few years ago and has helped give perspective to a number of fairly big decisions in my life, particularly over these last few months. Now, I don't know how much interest you take in coincidences. There is something a little strange and unexpected when two or more unrelated things suddenly become relevant to one another. Now, what I'm about to say might not mean anything, or maybe it will. I'm not, I'm not pushing anything. I'm just, kinda, I'm just putting it out there. So the idea for this current series came as Ross and I got together at the end of last year to talk about how best to start this year with our Sunday services. Ross thought it would be a good idea for the church to hear a series of messages that would provide a solid foundation for followers of Jesus in how we think and how we act going into 2024. The verse that has had a big influence on my life and the one that I want to share with you today is Acts 20, 24. Ooh. 
Now, I can't take, I can't take credit for that connection. It was actually um, Bagel, Rachel, our, our children's pastor, who, who picked up on that. So, so make of this what, whatever you will. So Acts 20, 24. It's not your typical coffee cup quote, Bible verse. It's a little confronting. It's a little challenging. But it brings about a crystal clear focus to our responsibility as a church, as followers of Jesus. Here is what Acts 20, 24 says. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. So this is the message for the church that I'd like for us to explore as we continue on into 2024. Now to give some context, these words were spoken by Paul to the church elders of Ephesus, where Paul had spent a couple of years preaching and helping build the church there. He was on his way back to Jerusalem and had sent word to Ephesus and these elders at Ephesus to meet him at Miletus. And when they arrive, Paul gathers them around and provides a recap of his ministry with the church. He then announces his plans moving forward and the underlying motivation for all that he does. So let's go back a few verses as we read from Acts 20 again, starting from verse 17. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you, from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. As we've read that through, it's important to know that there are certain things that are specific to Paul's situation, but there are also general themes and principles that we can still benefit from applying to our lives and our church and this, this faith community today. The first thing that we notice is Paul's acknowledgement of the importance of humility, lived out in the way that he served God regardless of the situation, deferring to God's way of doing things over doing things his own way, despite the consequences. Humility looks to the interests of others before our own. And Duncan reminded us in his message a couple of weeks ago that it's the example that Jesus demonstrated, which Paul features in Philippians chapter 2. But back to Acts 20, and as we read about how Paul has humbly served God, we see that it comes at a price. In verse 19, Paul writes, I serve the Lord with great humility and with tears and 
in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. We get a sense that amidst all this opposition, there is quite a deal of anguish and emotion experienced by Paul, but he is not deterred. He remains steadfast in what he believes God has called him to do. Even in light of what lies ahead, which we read about in verses 22 and 23, he's not completely sure about what's going to happen. But through the Holy Spirit, he understands that he will face prison and hardships, difficulties Paul is already quite familiar with. And yet, he still pushes on. Paul continues to persevere with his mission. Trials and hardships are part of the deal when it comes to following Jesus, maybe even prison. It's certainly a consequence of living out your faith in some countries. Not Australia, though. Not yet, anyway. Perseverance and endurance are key requirements for anyone who chooses to call themselves a Christian. It's why Paul constantly encourages those in the church to encourage one another in this journey of faith. Jesus spoke of the troubles that his followers would face, but that true contentment is found in him. I have told you these things, Jesus said, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And here's where we come to Acts 20, 24. Here's how we should act in 2024. Here, Paul reveals his mission statement, his primary purpose. So let's take a look at what we can learn from Paul's perspective on how to live out what God has called us to. Now, I'm going to switch over to the King James Version for this uh, verse for a moment because it, it bulks things out a bit. Taking into account the things that Paul has just mentioned, the trials, the tears, the opposition, the hardships, the potential imprisonment, Paul goes on to write, But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy, and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. None of these things move me. None of these things will take me off track. I will remain steadfast. I will resolve to continue living God's way to fulfill his purpose for my life. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. Now that word count is an accounting term. Who'd have thought? It means Paul has carefully considered all that he has achieved in life. All he's got going for him all the things people would admire him for. In a sense, he's, he's tabled it all out in a ledger, added it all up, and at the, at the end, that end result, that final figure, is nothing compared to what God has called him to do. Paul actually does make a list in his, uh, of what he's done in his letter to the Philippians. He's speaking of his notoriety as a former Jewish religious leader. In Philippians 3, Paul writes, If someone else thinks that they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. 
circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regards to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. The father of English hymn writing, Isaac Watts, echoes Paul's sentiment when he wrote the song that we just sang. My richest gain I count as loss and poor contempt on all my pride. And then in another verse, all the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them all to his blood. Following Jesus is a choice that requires sacrifice. It will cost us. It demands my soul, my life, my all. And Paul says it's absolutely worth it. This theme of sacrifice, again, is central to Paul's mission as he followed in the footsteps of Jesus, who made the ultimate sacrifice for the world by laying down his life for us on a cross so that we could know God's love for us for eternity. God says that we are worth it. So how could we possibly not respond by giving him everything of who we are? But Paul doesn't end there. In fact, this is the point where Paul's mission begins and where our mission begins. That moment that we first believe the moment that we choose to trust Jesus is who he says he is and did what he said he was going to do. It's at this point that we enter the race. This analogy of, Christ, of the Christian journey of faith. Paul uses the analogy of the race another five times throughout the New Testament in his collection of letters. The starting line is when we believe in Jesus. The finish line is either when we die or Jesus returns. And Paul's encouragement for us is to finish the race. The gap in between the beginning and the finish line is the race. And it's a race that requires humility, perseverance and sacrifice. And it also includes a task. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. So was this just Paul's task, or is this the task of every believer? Yes. Romans 12:6 says, "We all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Our gifts are different. Our personalities are different. Our history is different. Our spheres of influence are different. But our task remains the same. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10, we read, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Running the race doesn't save us. Good works doesn't save us. 
We are saved by God's grace, a free gift. And our response is then to run the race and take up the task assigned to us to testify to this good news. If you're ever required to testify in a court of law, you'll be asked to testify to what you know, not what you don't know. I know for a long time that I was caught up thinking that I had to have all the answers to the questions. And I didn't know the answers to all those questions. I didn't know everything that was in the Bible. And I figured that somehow made me exempt from the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. The fact is, God's grace is at work in everyone's life, no matter where we are on this track. We just need to recognize it. When we understand how amazing God's grace is, how undeserved our salvation is, we begin to see God's work, God's grace at work in so many other areas of our life. Our life then orients to a gracious disposition, which we describe with another word, humility. As we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the way that we see the race changes. It's not like the way that you would run a race in the Olympics, if you make it that far. Or it's not the way that you would run a race at, at a Sunday school picnic. I used to think that fixing my eyes on Jesus was like focusing on my mum and dad at the end of the racetrack and then just going my hardest, running straight down the line in their direction. Now, to a certain extent, when we're talking about the race, to a certain extent, that is still true. Jesus does go before us and he provides grace for our next step forward toward him. But he is also beside us. As we persevere, he promised to never leave us or forsake us. And by his spirit, we are helped along the way. His grace also flows out of those that we are running the race with and vice versa. We see that the race is not a competition. We are not elbowing each other out of the way in order to get ahead. We slow down and we look around to encourage each other as we run. We especially Look behind, because we will see Jesus in those who society would consider as stragglers, the poor, the hungry, the sick, those in prison. Jesus said, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. When you stop long enough to think about it, stories of God's grace are not hard to find. So stop long enough to think about it. You will no doubt find something to testify to. Because of God's grace, we have hope for eternity, an eternity with Him. And that hope changes how we live life today. And that change causes people to sit up and take notice. And when they notice, questions will be asked. And because of that, Peter reminds us to always be prepared to have an answer and to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Show that grace. So testify to the good news of God's grace. Testify with your story. 
Grace is where your story and God's story intersect. Continue walking in humility because God gives grace to the humble. So as we press on into 2024, remember Acts 2024 and Paul's encouragement to humility, perseverance, sacrifice, and the task of testifying to the good news of God's amazing grace. It's God's grace that enables us to take that next step forward, the step closer to finishing the race. And like the psalmist, we believe that surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. And we, when we finally come to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, we can say with Paul, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but to also all those who have longed for his appearing. It's Jesus' crown of righteousness that we wear. It's not earned in any way by us, but it's been bought with his blood and given to us by his grace that we accept with faith so that we may have everlasting life with him. So tell your story. Testify to the good news of God's grace. Let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus as we run this race together. Can I invite you to stand as we ready ourselves to continue the race? I'm going to pray. The band is going to come out and lead us in our final song this morning. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your grace. Grace that saves and grace that draws us closer and closer to you. In response to your example, may we too have a gracious disposition as we seek to serve those around us, as we share our story of you at work in our lives. Lord, I thank you for this faith community. Thank you for those that you've placed around us to cheer us on in this journey of faith and to challenge us when we need it. May we live out the love you have given to us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.